1: tell me
2: all the difference between your spouse all of us would leave and we'd be discouraged or maybe be encouraged whoo don't have that many differences that's good but we're all different and by the way when you have children are they the same or are they different and they always marry somebody different and god has a sense him, he just laughs because why because that's how we become like him We have to learn to be patient with the indifferences.
0: There's a verse in the book of Proverbs that says, Iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. What that means is that having quality close friends is good because they challenge you to become a better person. Pastor Mark will be teaching today about the closest relationship you can have, the married relationship. You'll find out the benefits of being married to someone who's so different from you you'll learn why you should work on knowing your spouse better and listening to what they're saying. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 with today's edition of Lessons for Living.
1: Some
2: of you come from a background, I'm not sure how prevalent it's taught, but I know it was for many, many years, that the reason for marriage only, and it taught by a large church, was procreation, only to have children. The sexual thing was kind of a by thing, and it's not at forefront. That's totally wrong. God designed us for procreation for sure. But for relationship, again, not to be alone, but also he designed us sexual. If he didn't design us that way, if that wasn't one of the things, that fulfillment, then he wouldn't have never designed it that way at all. Now, notice 1 Corinthians 7 3 in the New Living Translation. I think it says it really well. The husband should fulfill his wife's sexual needs, and the wife should fulfill her husband's needs. So, what is that debt? Next thing you can write, the loving responsibility in a marriage is to maintain, because Paul's going to talk about the sexual mostly, I'll talk later more about the affection, maintain regular sexual relations. So Paul is saying, if you're married, we know that God gave you the gift, and so that sexual expression of love can only really happen in a marriage, can't happen before marriage. And it's not supposed to happen outside of marriage, adultery, affairs. Now, look at verse 4. It goes even farther. The wife's body does not belong to her alone, but also to her husband. In the same way, the husband's body does not belong to him alone, but also to his wife. Remember how God designed marriage. So that through the union of one husband and one wife... Two people, we don't see this anywhere else, two people become one flesh. They become one. So God's marriage covenant, when we got married, he gave each partner the right over the spouse's body for the satisfaction of the other. Now, when you read that, selfish people, what happens in a marriage if a selfish person reads verse 4? What happens in a marriage if a selfish person reads verse 4? Well, what can you have? You can have physical abuse. You can have coercing or you can have on the other side stubborn rejection. I don't care if you, my bottom line you're not forget it. And, and they go, "Well, no, you you buy your mind." So it's abuse. The thing that I want to mention to you both ways, using sex as some kind of a mean of control in marriage is not biblical. How can there be love if that is a controlling force? I'll punish you if you don't. No way that's going to happen. That is not a giver. That is not a debt we owe. So to balance that so you understand what I'm saying, because as you know, in our world, we have a lot of abuse in homes, outside of homes. We have a lot of abuse with sexual children. If you go to Thailand and Vietnam, it's pitiful. And so Satan takes what's supposed to be special, and he abuses it. So I want you to write this next statement. If you're married, if you think of getting married, you'll understand these. Sexual relations must be mutually agreeable. And you'll see this in a moment in a different way. Very interesting. See, the two of us are one. We're one. We're walking together. Can two walk together unless they agree? No, they cannot, Amos three three says. So we walk together. We're doing life as a team. And that means in every single aspect. Helping with the dishes, when the kid's sick at night, whatever. Everybody gets up, take care of the kid, I have to do this, that, and the other. We just share. We just change responsibilities to do whatever it is to make the family function in a good way. Now, look at verse 5. Paul says this. Do not deprive each other... Except by mutual consent. I'll come back to that in a moment. In other words, agreed upon. And for a time. In other words, limited for a time. So that you may devote yourselves, maybe this is why you would do it, to prayer. Then come together again so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self control. Now, I was thinking about that this week and I was studying about it. What if your spouse? says to you, we've got a situation, so we need to fast and pray. And you go, okay, well, according to this, if we're really going to fast and pray, then we're not going to be making love. How often do you want to do that? Well, I believe God is calling me to do that for the next 15 days, every month. <laughs> Anybody ready to go home? <laughs> what would that be? Foolish. Would that be Foolish. You're going to see in a moment why foolish it, And we don't get what happens. So, of course, that's not balanced. Now, notice these words. Do not deprive each other. The pastors here that do marriage counseling, it never fails to amaze us. The number of Christian couples that come in for counseling. And during this, one of the things that we always bring up, we talk about what are the things that need to be corrected, what are the things that are the pins that are out of place, the doors coming off the marriage, what are these things? And you ask each person to kind of tell us top two or three things, and we work through those things. It never fails to amaze us. It still happens today that when you head to the sexual area, and you ask the wife, and then you ask the husband, Many, many times. I wish I didn't have to say this. Now, I haven't done marriage counseling for quite a while, so you don't have to worry about anybody being here. Don't like, here. Now, Dave might be here, but he's not talking, so you're okay. Here's what we discover. Well, how often do you make? I mean, we're not after like 2.2 times a week or whatever. We're just asking, how are things going in that area? And that's not the only question. We're asking all these things. How are you doing together? Do you ever have a date night? You ever go and hold each other's hands and walk on the beach? I mean, is there an affection? Is there an emotion thing like that? Do you enjoy doing things together? Do you pray together? Is there a spiritual part? Well, in the sexual, remember that triangle, three. And quite often we'll hear this. Oh, once a year, twice a year. As if pretty normal, huh? Well, no, that's not Normal. And then you begin to understand, by the way, and that's not all just the lady, and that's not all the guy. It's a big mixture. So when you begin looking at that, what is the first three words you read in verse 5? Say them with me. Let's say them together. Do not, what? Deprive. You say, well, once a year is fine, Pastor Mark. No, you weren't made to make love once a year. That is not fine. Now, what is that? That's a violation of God's design. If I'm going to be loving as a spouse, I have to learn to meet my spouse's sexual needs. Again, within boundaries, of course, on both sides. So we have to learn both to be sensitive and loving. It needs to be balanced. And if you'll honor God by loving your mate, God will bless you. I wrote this down many years ago when I started teaching on marriage. When you please your spouse sexually... You destroy your own selfishness. Now that works both ways. We always joke with the wife with a headache or whatever. Okay? Well, maybe there is a headache. Maybe there's a sickness. So what's the husband going to do? It's okay. It's fine when you're feeling better. Same thing. Wife wants to make love. Husband comes home. Man, I'm beat up. Had a terrible day at work. It was really difficult. What is the loving wife going to say? Okay? Come on. Let's just kick back, relax. Two nights, three nights from now, we'll make love. Does that make sense to you guys? Do not deprive. Now, understand, as you go through this, some other things are happening here. There's not just the sexual part, but there's this friendship part, this communication part. Write this down. What is Paul saying? There needs to be what? Mutual consent. Well, how do you get to mutual consent? The importance of communication in marriage. By the way, the number one place of conflict is where? In the home. Why? Because you got two imperfect people forever going to be married. Hallelujah. That's what we are, aren't we? And so it is the place where we work all this out. So mutual consent. It's the importance of communication and marriage. How are they going to decide? One person says, we need to pray for two days for our daughter who's having a problem, or our son-in-law, or our child, whatever the need is. It's not just that, but Paul using a spiritual thing. Well, then the two of you are going to have to what? Talk it out. So that communication is huge. I want you to write this down because sometimes all of us, we're really poor at communication. Not just in the home. We're poor at communications in a lot of places. As managers, we find that out ourselves. Many times we fail to communicate something properly, and it causes disasters. We're all guilty of that. Communication, write these things down. But communication requires active listening. Active listening doesn't mean... While you're playing on the iPad and your spouse is talking to you. While your spouse wants to say something to you, but you're stuck to the football game right in front. What did you say? you say something? Wait till the half. It doesn't include with a paper out in front of you. And by the best time to communicate is not when you crawl in bed at night. No, find a way to communicate. Number two, understanding requires being intimate, and open. If I'm going to have communication, there needs to be some understanding of where I'm going, what we're talking about, how we're going to do this. And that communication is required us to be open. My wife texted me. I was out of town for a day and she had said something about somebody wants to do dinner and whatever and whatnot. And so I just said, well, this is good for me and this is good for me. How is it for you? And how is it for them? See, you have to be open. You can't say, well, I'm only going to do it this way. You have to be open. You have to communicate that. If I'm going to communicate, what does it require of us? Time. What do we have trouble with? Time with each other. I have plenty of time to watch the game. My wife has plenty of time to paint. But sometimes we don't have time to what? Communicate together. And when that happens, you're going to see in a moment, Satan has a foothold. Now, Look at verse 5 again. Very important. Then at the end of this set time, or for whatever reason, it doesn't have to be a spiritual reason, some other kind of thing, big tests are coming, you're working on your master's degree, whatever, for three days, forget it, whatever, you know, whatever. Look at the end of verse 5. Then come together again. What does come together mean? You get in the room, shake hands. (laughs) That is not what it means. Come together again. Why? So that, what? Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Let me ask you a question. What is Satan doing in the bedroom of Christians? The very same thing he's doing outside the bedroom. To steal, to kill, and to destroy. The Bible is amazing, isn't it? I mean, we go right into the bedroom, and here's Satan We think Satan's only going to destroy us outside. No, he destroys us from the inside. Right in our own marriages. You say, well, Pastor Mike, there's spiritual warfare in marriage. Probably the number one place. Why? Because that's the foundation of our home and our society. And look at what's happened. So when you begin to understand this, would you just kind of write this down? And maybe we can't blame it all on Satan because it's our selfishness, but he knows it. Satan wants to destroy sexual intimacy inside the marriage. Not always porn and magazines and all the kind of stuff that we see on the internet. We've talked about that before. Those are dangers. But sometimes he just wants to do it. What is Paul saying? The longer a couple abstain from sex, the greater the risk one partner or both will fall into sexual immorality. So that Satan cannot tempt you because of what? The lack of self-control. Why is this important? What did we say at the beginning? God designed us to find sexual satisfaction, a gift that he's given us, where? Within the home. If it isn't happening, there's going to be a problem. Now, that's not an excuse to have an affair. That's not an excuse to go out and do something you shouldn't do morally. But Satan knows this. If we ignore God's design and God's commands, we're setting ourselves up for a fall. Even unwanted divorce. It happens because of this. Husbands and wives should lovingly fill each other's needs emotional, spiritual, sexual. Passion and marriage will last if there's mutual pleasure. As our goal. Sexual intimacy should be celebrated. It should not be tolerated. That's going to change. But understand how that goes. So, write this down. It will remind you. Marriage is a battlefield. So keep God in charge. See, God's the head of the marriage. You're not the head of the marriage. The two of us become one under God. Jesus be the center of our marriage. Amen. That's what we're talking about. So, the enemy knows this, and he loves to come into the bedroom. Now, turn with me to Psalm 127, if you will. Unless the Lord builds the house, the marriage, its builders, husband and wife, labor in vain. That's why we at this church take a biblical stance when we Interview couples that want to get married. If both of them are Christians and they really get it and they understand what they're going to, that's it. We move ahead. If one is and one isn't, we work with the other person to show them the need for them to have a relationship. We can't push that. They have to be ready. So we don't marry a believer and an unbeliever. The Bible tells us not to do that. This is why. Unless the Lord builds a house... The Lord isn't going to build a house with one. You'll see how that works. After you come to Christ, you got married. Two unbelievers get married. Later, one person becomes a believer. Now, what do you do? Now, let me show you the triangle to remind you what marriage is. You know it, but sometimes we forget it. God's the head of our marriage. And a husband and a wife, if they're going to be in relation to each other, they have to be in relation to God. And you know this, but... I, The closer a husband and wife are to God, the shorter that line is between a husband and wife. And that's the developing maturity in a marriage. Now, that's never perfect, but that's our goal. Now, if you have someone, a husband or a wife, that really doesn't love God, and they're not there, their line from God is off the chart. And it's unbalanced. And that automatically affects the relationship with the spouse. Because they're not on the, we would call it, they're not on the same page at all. Now, that word vain means... Labor that produces no good. You can work on it all you want, but if God isn't the head, you'll never have the marriage God wants. So there's two ways to build a marriage God's way or my way. My way will never work. God designed the family to work one way. But Satan today yells, screams to all kinds of men and women. You don't need God to build your marriage. You don't need God to help you build your family. Here's all you need to do. And he gives them worldly wisdom. Live together before you get married. See if it's going to work out. See if you're compatible. I don't have all the statistics because this isn't an in-depth teaching. But we know from actual fact that when couples live together before they get married, usually if they get married, that marriage doesn't last. Greater, greater, greater chance of that marriage dissolving. Well, God didn't design it that way. He designed it to be pure before you marry and then go into marriage. And here's the second one. We'll talk again more next week. What's the enemy say today? If you're married but you're unhappy, get out because the grass is always greener. Now, all of us know the grass isn't ever greener. When you get out, you marry another person that's imperfect because all we have is imperfect people. Look to your neighbor and say, you're imperfect. Go ahead, tell them right now. Is that exciting? So who helps us with our imperfection? God. God. By the way, every couple are very different. I don't want to go through all the listings. We could go out in the room, you could tell me all the difference between your spouse. All of us would leave and we'd be discouraged. <laughs> or maybe be encouraged. Whew, don't have that many differences, that's good. But we're all different. And by the way, when you have children, are they the same or are they different? And they always marry somebody different. And God has a sense to you, He just laughs. Because why? Because that's how we become like Him. We have to learn to be patient with the indifferences. Now, look again. Unless the Lord builds, builds. Builds the house. What does the word "builds" mean? It's ongoing. It's a process. It never ends. I was listening to a tape that Greg Laurie did about a year ago with Pastor Chuck. As you know, Pastor Chuck has passed on. I wrote a whole thing on uh, Facebook about it. Pastor Chuck, who's the head of the Calvary Chapels, has started it. And Kay married sixty-three years. Now, how do you stay married sixty-three years? ongoing process always learning still learning this year my wife and i 47 still learning still learning got over lots of humps still learning we're still selfish people we're trying to sin less just like first john he said pastor mark when you get 50 doesn't it just like everything's perfect <laughs> i don't know we're not there yet But I can tell you, no, because I'm not perfect. That's the problem. So even with God's help, as I said, it takes a lot of continuing work, of submitting, of joining together, of communicating, and of loving. Loving my wife as God loved the church. My wife respecting me as I try to lead in that home. Now, how does that all work out? Here's the triangle that tells you. Just you you write all three of these down. Marriage is God designed. Marriage is God directed. We're reading to you the directions. These are the directions. Many more, again through the scripture. And last, it's not just designed and directed. It's empowered. God never gives us anything and asks us to do this without giving us the ability to do what he's asking us to do. Now we think about that in ministry a lot but marriage is the primary one. Whatever God asks us to do as a husband or a wife, God will empower us to do it. He didn't put us in this and go, okay, well, have a nice time. No, he's with us. He never leaves us.
0: In today's teaching, Pastor Mark talked about the responsibilities that husbands and wives have to each other. This was one of the things the Apostle Paul was trying to get the Corinthian church to understand and to show them that God's plan is way different than what they've been raised to believe. You'll learn the ways that doing marriage God's way works out better for the couple. You don't have to wait to hear another message from Lessons for Living. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com to access our archive of messages on various topics and books of the Bible. Subscribe to our podcast as well to receive updated teachings as soon as they're made available. We're so glad you joined us today and we'd love to connect with you. Feel free to contact us with your questions and prayer requests at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. Next time, Pastor Mark will finish his teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. You'll be talking about the spiritual warfare that occurs in the marriage relationship. You'll hear again that Satan wants to destroy everything that's important to you, including your marriage. Pastor Mark will be teaching about how vital it is that the husband and wife work together to defeat the devil. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue teaching through this series, People, Problems, and Practical Helps. That's next time on Lessons for Living.
1: In a